Amen. You can be seated. Years ago, a United States Navy submarine was cruising off the coast of Massachusetts when it was rammed by a ship. The sub sank immediately, trapping the entire crew in an iron grave. All attempts at rescue proved futile. Toward the end of the operation, one of the divers placed his ear near the hull of the submarine. Against that iron hull, he could hear tapping from the inside. It was Morse code. Slowly, the message formed. Is there any hope? And this is the plight of the whole human race. The world that we live in is a fallen world. It's fallen from what it was intended to be. In essence, we're now a sunken sub. People live their lives in the iron hull of emptiness and despair, and there's no escape. Thinking folks look for a hatch, a way to rise to the surface, but to no avail, mankind is trapped in a sunken sub called sin. In fact, you can put your ear to the hull this morning and you can hear the tapping, is there any hope? I'm sure you've noticed that life is hard. If life were all fastballs, we'd bat a thousand. But just about the time we get used to the velocity, life throws us a curve, or it tosses us in a changeup, and we're whiffing again. Circumstances leave us desperately confused. Why is it that the best team doesn't always win? Why is it that the cheaters sometimes get the higher grade? The unethical businessman receives the promotion. Good people end up sick. Little babies are born with disabilities. Innocent women are sometimes abused. Life is hard, and each generation faces the same old enemies. Injustice mocks us. Sickness diminishes us. Acts of nature torture us. Evil preys upon us. Sin stunts what could have been. And all the while, death sits back smugly, knowing it will get the last laugh. Life never seems to behave itself. It won't follow the rules. And every generation taps, is there any hope? Yet for one brief moment, long, long ago, the situation was different. A ray of light shined into the deepest ocean. God sent a diver down from heaven. This heavenly frogman, he found the hatch to this hopeless world and he popped it open. He shined a light to those that were trapped in the sunken hull. He showed us the way out. And for one brief moment, hope opened the hatch and people could see salvation bubbling on the surface. And this hope's name was Jesus. A man named John was first to see the light he sensed in Jesus the opportunity to escape this iron hull called sin. He even baptized heaven's frogman in the river. But when John was tossed into prison, he too became puzzled. He knew that Jesus had been sent to free us. He came to offer a real alternative to life in the iron hull. But if Jesus brings hope, then why was John stuck in prison? John was jailed in the Dead Sea fortress of Machaerus, the Jewish Alcatraz. 
a dungeon that was just as confining as the iron hull of a sunken world. How could John now be sure that Jesus was the deliverer if he had been left trapped in a prison of despair? John's faith had some serious challenges. His faith had begun to wobble. And so John sent messengers to Jesus. We read of John's inquiry and Jesus' reply in Matthew chapter 11. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to him, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And as Jesus answered those messengers, I'm sure he laughed. In essence, he looked around and he said, Hey, pay attention to what's happening. Every day, blind eyes now see. Paraplegics walk. Leprous skin becomes as new as a baby's behind. Corpses are raised to life and funerals are turned into parties. The poor have plenty. Hey, what do you think? Does this look like business as usual? In the Gospels, we read about Jesus entering the temple and turning over tables. Well, let me tell you, Jesus spent his whole ministry turning over tables. Jesus came into this world to rock the boat and to shake things up. Iron chains that had never been broken, Jesus snapped into. Big bullies like leprosy and demons and paralysis and death. Vicious gang members who had ruled the hood for millenniums were suddenly tucking tail and running at the sight of our Lord Jesus. I wish that we had time to review Matthew 8, 9, and 10, which recounts the previous 12 months of Jesus' life. For in the annals of history, there has never been a year as exciting or as surprising as the year 30 A.D. Everything that Jesus had described of John, to John's messengers had occurred in droves. All mankind's evil enemies were getting cut down and being put back in their place. The boat rocker was setting things right again. In 1961, the Museum of Modern Art in New York City hosted an exhibit showcasing the artistic talents of the famous French painter Henri Martise. But one of the paintings, a painting entitled The Boat, hung upside down in the museum for 47 days before anyone saw the mistake. Imagine a masterpiece on exhibit hanging upside down and none of the city's art connoisseurs noticed. And yet this was the state of the world for thousands of years before Jesus came. Life was upside down and no one noticed. But Jesus saw the evil and the injustice and the prejudice and the pain and he flipped the pictures topsy-turvy. Jesus pointed to the sinner who beat his chest and was truly sorry for his sin and said that his prayer would be heard over the self-righteous hypocrite who acted like God owed him. Jesus counted the widow's might as more valuable to God than the rich man's tip. 
Jesus saw how death had robbed the woman of her son. He resurrected the boy and he returned him to his mom. The priest painted God as harsh and petty and vindictive. But Jesus displayed a vision of God as a father rushing to welcome his wayward son home. Jesus turned what was upside down right side up. Don't look for Jesus to ever prop up the status quo. Our Lord Jesus rocks the boat. It makes a better world. And this is what Jesus is all about today. When he enters a life, he turns it on ear. He takes hopeless and hapless and helpless lives and he flips them around. The risen Lord Jesus doles out new love and new desires and new direction and new perspective. He puts a smile on your face, a bounce back in your step, a laugh on your lips and a joy in your heart. Jesus establishes new ties and he embellishes you with new gifts. He forgives and he heals and he restores dignity. Jesus opens spiritual eyes and ears as well as physical ones. He fills our emptiness and he causes love to overflow to others. Jesus brings us out of death and darkness into his marvelous life and light. My point is, Jesus doesn't care much for the status quo. Jesus is a boat rocker. He knows this world is in an iron hull stuck on the bottom and that we desperately need fresh air. Jesus wants to help us out and pull us out. Here's some good news for a change. Jesus loves you so much, he invites you to come to him just as you are. But Jesus loves you so much that he doesn't let you stay that way for long. The status quo has got to go. He wants to flip your life right side up. But there were folks in Jesus' day who resented the boat rocker. They were protectors of the status quo. Take, for example, the powerful priests in Jerusalem. They were making a handsome living off of Jewish religion. They controlled a temple tax and they made money off the common people's sacrifices to God. That's why Jesus cleansed the temple. He put an end to their charade and he drove out the money changers. And in doing so, Jesus ripped off their prophets. He cut into them. And the priests realized that Jesus was a threat to their power and the lifestyle that it financed. That's why the chief priests hated Jesus. He was a threat to their power grab. And not much has changed today. For power-hungry people, Jesus is still an obstacle. For folks who aspire to be on top, Jesus gets in the way. You can climb over everyone else but Jesus. For people who style themselves as the captain of their own ship, who like to call their own shots, Jesus becomes a problem. He's an uninvited intrusion. There is only one Lord. Either it's Jesus or it's you, but it can't be both. For many people today, Jesus cramps their style and nags their conscience. He is a burr under their saddle. Jesus comes along with his absolutes and with his insistence on truth, and he makes us uncomfortable. People pretend to be Christian as long as it's cool, as long as Jesus is a positive add-on, as long as he's bringing joy and peace and good stuff to my life. Why not welcome him? But the moment Jesus initiates change or makes hard demands, we want to seek some distance between us and him. Jesus can rock the boat just a little too much. 
For some people, the idea of worship is like a tip of the hat on holidays, not the laying down of one's life every day. When our first son went off to college, he got used to living on his own. He set his own hours. He came and went as he pleased. Hey, that's what college is about. But when he came home, we had to have a talk. If he wanted the benefits of living under our roof, he had to abide by our rules. That is, live under our authority. We were happy to have him as a family member, but Kathy and I weren't interested in a roommate. And neither is Jesus. Jesus is Lord, friends. On heaven's 1040 form, Jesus is listed as the universe's head of household. Jesus calls the shots. And he will never, ever allow you to use him or to excuse him away. This means where Jesus moves in, he takes charge. He makes changes. All for the better, mind you. But don't ever think he's just going to drift into the woodwork and keep a low profile and mind his manners and take out the trash when he's told and only speak when he's spoken to and politely do his chores and clean up the spilt milk. That is not Jesus. It's ironic how many supporters of the status quo there really are in the world today. Folks who don't want to change. They prefer for Jesus to just leave them alone. I'm sure everyone wants Jesus to add good stuff to their lives, but before he reshapes the course of their life, they'd really like to approve his new direction. It always surprises me when the rubber meets the road most people are content with the way things are. Oh, they'll whine and they'll complain about certain circumstances, but we tend to get accustomed to the rut. Many people would rather hold on to the familiar, even if it makes them miserable. Most folks will resist change, even when it's a change for the better. Once we had a homeless man, he was coming to our church. One night, the mercury dropped dangerously low. I was concerned for our newfound friend, and so I went to the shack in the woods where he happened to be living to pick him up and bring him to my house. But he refused to, to come. He refused to leave. That night, he chose a frozen shack over a warm house. And why? Because he didn't want to be inconvenienced by changes. At my house, he'd have to smoke on the porch, and that was intolerable to him. The man's own vices had become his prison. They had trapped him in his iron hull. There are people today who've accepted the pain and emptiness of a life trapped in sin. It's the only life they've ever known. It's all they think there is. Along the way, folks accumulate toys and diversions to break up the monotony, to muffle the rumbling of an empty soul. They busy themselves with amusement so they don't have to ponder the real meaning of life. Survivors can get so used to the sunken hull of the sub that even though they're dying on the inside, they've created this artificial life, and for the short time it lasts, they are naive but happy campers. It is only the brave, the relentless few, who keep tapping. Is there any hope? Most people are leery of the boat rocker. Even so-called Christians claim to be devoted to Jesus, but often it's a devotion on their own terms. They follow as long as it's convenient or advantageous to them. 
They don't mind being a Christian as long as they can stay in control. But that's not the way Christianity works. When Jesus climbs on board your boat, he takes the helm. He takes charge. He takes over. Understand, there were people who got so tired of the boat rocker that they wanted to throw him overboard. When it became apparent to the Jewish hierarchy that they couldn't control Jesus, they plotted to kill him. The establishment was scared of his power, and when they realized they couldn't back him down, they decided to put him down. In the end, they crucified Jesus. While Jesus was alive, the powers that be were never able to nail him down. Jesus was too wild. He was too heavenly. He was too unpredictable. He was too dangerous for their tastes. So they nailed him to a cross. Jesus never wore the political crown that the Jews offered him. So they thrust on him a crown of thorns. Jesus was a free spirit. Like those birds flying overhead, soaring through the sky. But the Jews didn't like him flying over their heads. He was a reminder of what they had chosen not to be. They couldn't capture the bird, so they decided to shoot him down. It's been said, each of us is born with a body, a mind, a soul, and a handful of nails. And when a man dies, he's never found with nails left clutched in his hands or stuffed in his pockets. In other words, when we resist the gentle ways and the loving changes that Jesus wants to work in our lives, we are in essence pounding in another nail. Are we followers of Jesus or are we defenders of our status quo? I'm sure when they laid Jesus in the tomb and rolled a stone over the mouth of the grave, they said to themselves, that's it, we have finally put this guy in his place. The stone was the same as throwing away the key. Everyone assumed that they'd never have to worry about this Jesus upsetting the apple cart ever again. Now we can get back to business as usual. But Jesus wasn't finished shaking up the status quo. In his lifetime, Jesus had boxed a few rounds with death and illness and paralysis and blindness. And he wasn't finished with this fight. Jesus rose from the dead. He not only rocked the boat, but he totally capsized it. This time, Jesus knocked out death. Three days after they killed him, the boat rocker was back on deck. And after his resurrection, the world was never the same. Death had been declawed. New hope was born. New power unleashed. Jesus began populating eternity. The risen Lord came out of that empty tomb to fill our empty hearts. And he keeps rocking the boat today, all over the world, in China, in the Islamic world, in Japan. I just got back from there, all across Latin America, even in Atlanta, Georgia. Jesus is alive and well in changing lives. He's shaping culture. He's building up his kingdom. Jesus still turns lives topsy-turvy. He blazes new trails and he teaches new ways. The risen Lord will never be manipulated or intimidated, much less annihilated. You can't manage him or mar him or murder him. Jesus isn't a man that you can tone down or tie up or turn off. You'll save wasted years if you realize that Jesus won't let you get comfortable without him. Did you hear of the little girl 
who was thrilled about Easter. For weeks, she was all she could talk about. She couldn't wait to go to church on Easter Sunday. Finally, her father wanted to know if she was sure of the meaning of Easter, of the special day. She said, oh, yes, I know the meaning of Easter. He asked her, he said, well, honey, what does Easter mean? She cupped her hands over her mouth, and she shouted as loud as she could, surprise! And that's it. What does Easter mean? It means surprise death, surprise sin, surprise illness, surprise depression, surprise wicked world, surprise status quo. It means Jesus has beaten you all. Our Lord Jesus now gets the last laugh. Easter means surprise everyone who tries to control Jesus. You can't. Surprise everyone who wants Jesus to back down. He won't. Surprise everyone trapped in sin and looking for a way out. Jesus lives, and he can help you. Jesus told John in Matthew 11, verse 6, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. In other words, happy is the person who doesn't mind letting Jesus call the shots in their life. Happy is the man or woman, the boy or girl, who is willing to let Jesus board their life and really take over. Happy is the person who's not ashamed to admit that they're trapped, that life is hard, and that we all need some help. Happy is the person who welcomes Jesus and his changes in their life. Don't be afraid to let Jesus overturn a few apple carts in your life. He knows what he's doing. Today, invite the boat rocker to take charge of you. Perhaps you're not a Christian, but you want to be. Perhaps you are a Christian, but you haven't been what you ought to be. Let's pray together right now, and let's ask the boat rocker to shake things up in our lives. Let's ask Jesus to come on board and be the captain of our ship. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have risen from the dead, that you are alive, that no one could put you down or tie you up, but you are a living Lord. And now, now we need to follow you. And Lord, we admit we got a tiger by the tail. Lord, you are going places. You are doing things. You are working changes. You are creating a better world. And you want us to be a part of it. But the status quo has got to go. Lord, we open our hearts to you now. Lord, we want to receive those changes that you have for us. Some of us are trapped in an iron hull. Some of us are in bondage this morning. Lord, I pray that you would come and you deliver us, that you deliver us all over again. You've delivered us before, but we pray you'll do it again. Lord, we pray that you'll rock the boat, you'll keep rocking the boat, that you want us let, get, won't let us get content without you. Lord, I pray that you'll come and you'll take charge. And you'll be Lord over our hearts as you are over this world. And so, Father, we ask that you work in us this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.